Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Steph, and this is episode five of the Motherhood series of the Don't Buy Her Flowers podcast. I am currently sat on a bed in a B&B in Nailsworth near the Don't Buy Her Flowers warehouse. I'm down here for a couple of days with the team. We're all busy with Mother's Day. Um, Doug is holding the fort at home. I've just spoken to them all and there was absolute chaos because it was just sort of heading into bath time. So I'm kind of glad to be not there, much as I love them all dearly. Um, there's about another week to get orders in if you're looking for a thoughtful gift that's going to be all about giving someone a bit of time for themselves. It could be with a good book, bath soak, gin, loads of delicious um, chocolates and treats, oh, loads of gorgeous products. Um, so go to don'tbuyherflowers.com and one pound from every Mother's Day order is going to Homestart UK, who are an amazing charity that help families going through difficult times. Um, in this episode, my guest is international DJ, broadcaster and now author, the artist formerly known as Annie Mac, is Annie McManus. Um, everyone I spoke to said oh she's so cool and definitely implied that I'm not which is fine because I'm fully aware of this but Annie's big kind of theme is change so she has a podcast called Changes which is awesome she speaks to incredible variety of guests about changes that have happened to them or they'd like to happen to them Um, but Annie also talks in this episode about leaving Radio 1 last year and how people reacted to that not all of them favourably um, after 17 years, as well as how she feels about it now and recognising how much she gave of herself on the radio and that she wanted to retreat a bit when she left. She also talks about fighting against her career, kind of being compromised or feeling like it might be after having children, which I think was really difficult given that there were literally thousands of people chomping at the bit for this dream job that she had. Um, we also talk about change at 40 and Annie stopped to say what do I actually want and kind of audited her life which has got to where she is at the moment and I have to say she sounds really happy and content and uh, we had Jessie Ware on a previous episode and she talked about turning to Annie when she was thinking of having kids and she seems to be this real figure of wisdom among her friends which definitely comes across. Um, this episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago, just as the invasion of Ukraine was hitting the news. And there was, as there still is, this real uncertainty and kind of horror across social media, as well as across the media and in people's conversations, um, just as we were feeling like COVID was kind of less of a threat. So 
lots going on. And um, we started the conversation talking about social media. So the first time that I've read any of your writing, because I wanted to talk Ooh. to you quite a bit about, obviously, change, that's your thing, but and where you've changed all the career stuff that's gone on the last couple of years. But the first thing I read that you wrote was your post about social media, the one called Using. And yeah. it, I read it and I shared it with everyone I know. And I thought it's particularly relevant at the moment because obviously what we're talking at the moment where there's like looking at the news this morning and there's like rockets going off and paratroopers and the, the invasion mm. in Ukraine. And it's so overwhelming. Do you feel, mm. do you feel a pressure to post? Do you feel like I need to say something? Because I think there's loads of people saying that there's kind of this narrative going on about it's not right to be posting your normal stuff, but also, oh, we need to have a take on this and I need to have an opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I really struggle with that, to be honest. It, like at Christmas time, I, um, yeah, so just, just to kind of explain the the mm. bones of the article, I, I started using this app, um, um, which basically restricts it's so it's so meta it's it's an app that you have to download that then restricts your social media use but um it, it means that i i have two hours a day where i can check my socials um and it, it really worked and it still really works actually i've completely changed how i how i scroll because I, I got a bit scared of how much mm. i was scrolling coming up to christmas and also how that was making me feel and how so how insidious it was and how it kind of crept in and you, you end up feeling lonely and isolated and, and kind of um, you have this kind of irrational view of yourself um, that if you kind of take yourself out of the world of social media, you can, you, you know, you, you feel much more balanced and much more sane, basically. Mm. Um, so I kind of made a point of doing that. And since I've been on social media much, much less, that exact problem is is the issue now where I feel like I don't, I only post when I feel very compelled to do it, when I have something to say, mm. when I feel like I have something useful to give or to put out there that could be posting about a podcast, posting an article, um, whatever. Um, and uh, I don't really post any other time. So when the Ukraine stuff happened, I was initially just like, I have nothing to say. I, mm. There's nothing I can say that can make this better. I'm overwhelmed. I don't want to feel like I have to post just for the sake of it mm. uh, because everyone else is, um, you know, what, what's, what's it going to do basically. And it took me kind of a whole week to kind of process how I felt about it. And I still don't know how I feel about it apart mm. from all the standard feelings of overwhelming and fright and, you know, all that. Mm. But I just I did do a post, but I think the post was kind of uh, initiated because I felt like God, I have to post about, I have to mention this. If I'm mentioning other things, mm. I have to mention this. So I guess there still is that kind of pressure to to comment on what's going on in the world and to have a take, as you say. Mm. Um, I saw it's a guy who I really respect on Twitter saying, oh my God, I can't believe how silent everyone's being, you know, about the war. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I, I felt complicit. I was like, I am being silent, but I don't know what to say. Just, I don't, you know. It's so difficult because um, it's, and it's really nuanced, isn't it? And I think, so yeah. it, it feels a bit fucked up that social media becomes like a barometer of whether someone is a good sure. person. And that's, sure. that's where you're like, 
so if you don't say something, and I'm sure you, I imagine anyone with a big account, you get messages from people saying, um, "Well, have you not have you not got anything to say on this when something big happens?" Yeah. And it's like, but that's not you. That's not who you are. That's not your specialist subject. And then so you're suddenly trying to get loads of people just to have an opinion on an expert opinion and the right opinion on something that you don't necessarily feel you understand. It's really difficult. Right. Yeah, no, totally agree. And, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't have to be that way. And maybe it isn't. That's the other thing. You know, maybe like, I don't think that there's people, I don't think that there was people being like, well, why hasn't she posted about Ukraine? You know, mm. I think that was me. I think it came from me. So again, mm. I think it's about having conviction in how you use social media and not allowing yourself to you know get swept along in it and it's a yeah. work in progress that it's a real work in progress and it takes a long time it's a as I said it's a very insidious addictive thing and it, you can't just stop it and then be fine you it's like it's like anything you have to constantly work at mm. removing yourself from it there was a line so you said about the end of 2021 feeling like you it messed with your head and you said you felt you were lagging behind and um I wasn't achieving enough running enough cooking enough socializing enough working enough mothering well enough and then also that you mm. it left you feeling lonely it's like that mm. like we already feel all those things and then right. it kind of exacerbated by social media a hundred percent and you know with all the best intentions following all the people that you love and you admire and you know you can't help when you look at social media feeling like other people are passing you by mm. or life is passing you by um you just it's just it's that that's the very nature of it the comparative culture and um it's very dangerous in that way you have to be really you have to be super strong really thick-skinned or you just have to be able to be really adept at, you know, changing the people you follow, you know, being, you know, being really fluid with that. Mm. But it's kind of, you know, even, even then if you follow like, which I do a lot, a lot of charities, a lot of people who are kind of, who are, you know, philanthropic and putting stuff out there that is for the good of the world. Then the problem with that is, is that it's constantly the trauma of the world. Yeah. So it's constantly the people who are most in need, the the, the 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 things you should be doing to help. And then that in itself is overwhelming too, because it, it's just about trying to have a balance basically mm -hmm. and dipping in when you want. But what I found when I stopped social media is when you look at it for an hour a day, right, what you realize is that you don't actually want to see anyone else's life because it's not natural to want to do that. It's not natural for me to want to look on your stories and see what you're having for dinner. It's not like in real life, I wouldn't know what you're having for dinner. And you wouldn't so give a shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's that, you know, so, and vice versa. So it's like, when you stop using it, you're like, I don't, I'm, I don't, you don't have that compulsion to go and click into people. I find you just flick through and you're like, there's absolutely nothing here that mm. I want to see. And maybe you see as well, like the bullshit of it. So it's like exactly. well, that the the kind of a performative side of it or, but the other thing that you wrote that I was like, oh, I don't think I've heard anyone say that was about thinking in social media posts. So you, I think you were with your son and he was like yeah. digging a trench and your head 
in your mind, even when you're not got your phone with you, is like writing mm. a post of, oh, that would make a good post and I could have said Completely. this. And that's so, and, and I exactly know what you mean. Even in the night sometimes when you can't sleep and your head's whirring and you're mm. thinking of a social media post, like that's really weird. And I don't think people want to admit to that because it's also embarrassing. Mm. It's mm. shameful. But you're conditioned. You're absolutely conditioned to mm. see life in terms of how you present it to other people as opposed mm. to how you are actually experiencing it in the now. Mm. And I think um, that that becomes, you know, a, a, a thing very quickly on social media where you, you know, it's, it's if you, this is the other thing you notice when you're not on it is if you're not on it and you haven't posted and you go on it, the one thing that happens, there's two, there's two very visceral feelings that you get. The first is, I'm not, you know, the, the whole classic comparison culture, you know, they're doing that. I'm not basically. The second is I need to post. I need to post. I, in order for me to look like I'm doing what they're doing, I need to post now, 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 now. And you're looking around, you're like, what can I post about? I'm literally in my pajamas. I've sat at home in the office writing for six hours. I have to do the school run. There's nothing to post about. So then you you start thinking about what to post about. And um, that's what social media does. It makes you feel like you have to join in the throng mm, mm. And, and 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 be doing what everyone else is doing um so a lot of the time people post just for the sake of posting which is why you get 98% of on there is really not there's not much going on there no <laughs> no post. but and I, I was listening to um on your podcast your interview with Nick Grimshaw and you guys yeah. were talking about when you both left Radio 1 um the realization that you've been sharing like thoughts and stories for 14 sure. and 17 years respectively and I was right. thinking I suppose in a similar way your your day at that point you must have been constantly thinking of oh well, that's something I could share or well, that's something that could would make a good anecdote or anything right. in a similar way to social media so I suppose when you then left it was the same thing yeah it's, it's very much the case you know you've, you've got used to um being able to share your anecdotes and share your life on 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 the radio in this kind of very physical way and hugely public way and you be, kind of become desensitized to that and also you become good at editing it so that it works for radio and you're not yeah. giving too much away and all of that you know mm. um but yeah so the double whammy of no no kind of audience to share to no <laughs> audience who are listening yeah and then not being on social media it's it's quite something but it's also good because you know, talking about Radio 1, so much of, of, of the first six months after leaving Radio 1 for me was just like not wanting to do too much deliberately and just allowing myself to go through the phases of feeling what I was feeling. Mm. And one of the first things that I felt was this reaction to being in the public, in the public ear, we'll say, for 17 years. Mm. Um you know, and, and, and most of the time I'm hiding behind music there. So I'm not like Grimmy. I'm not doing a daytime entertainment show. I'm not giving away that much about myself. But the very nature of being in a room and talking to my audience every day for two hours and, and, and being in people's kitchens and cars and being in their lives in this very intimate one-to-one -one way, um, it means that I was giving myself to people, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't think about that at the time, but how that kind of manifested was afterwards is I just wanted to hide. 
I really felt like I wanted, and not in a bad way. I was, it wasn't like trauma. It was just mm-hmm. like I had this compulsion to kind of like a snail in the shell, just kind of just be in, just be in myself for a while and mm-hmm. just be in my house and be with my family and just, just exist in my own world without putting myself out there in any way and, and, and kind of see how that felt basically. And how is it feeling now? Cause it is, it's sort of six months, isn't it? Yeah, it's more. It's more. And it feels wonderful. Thank you. It Does feels it? really good. Yeah, it feels really good. Like, again, I don't want that to sound um, denigrating towards radio or, or you no. know, my job. I loved my job, but it's yeah. more just there's something lovely in the very slow kind of routine way that I'm living life at the moment. Um I just do writing, I do podcasting, I pick up the kids from school, I have early dinners with friends and life is very quiet mm. and I'm what's happening is I'm realizing that the time that I didn't that I used to spend, you know, legging it around and trying to make things work and being on the radio, I'm I'm using to flex my my brain muscles a bit mm. more. So mm. I'm reading loads, I'm thinking loads, I'm having time to figure out how I feel about things and work through stuff in my head and also write, which also, you know, is so good for your, for the muscles in your brain, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel much more kind of as hippie as this sounds, but I feel much more in tune with myself. I suppose. When you, you've said it was like, basically you hit 40 and it felt like, or you were hit turning 40 and it felt like a midlife crisis almost, or, yeah. or, or an enlightenment, something shifted. And I think that's yeah. really common. Cause I know I turned 40 last year and was like, I feel like I need to discover myself more. I need to learn why right. I do certain things. Why do I behave in certain ways? Is this what I, how I want to live? It's that kind right. of shift, but your thing is obviously like human connection. So actually, although you've changed what you do quite dramatically in some ways, you also are doing the same thing through writing, through the podcast. It's still all yeah. about connecting. That's so true. Like that, that is my thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it takes a while to figure out what your thing is and why you keep gravitating mm-hmm. towards the same things. But connection is 100% it. I only ever want to connect with people and talk to people. and um, I think the articles that you that you mentioned earlier, Mm. you know, just writing articles from home, partly that's me just trying to become a better writer. But it's also my way of connecting to the world when there Mm. is no radio and and that kind of thing. Um, But, um, yeah, turning 40, I did have very similar to you, this kind of compulsion to ask questions and this really very clear need to learn something new to try something new to push myself out of my comfort zone um and writing was always something i wanted to do um and you know i've spoken so much about the book that i wrote and kind of the reasons why i wrote it but i think there's something about the extreme opposites in terms of what writing was as opposed to radio yeah you know if you think about how I wanted to learn something right and learn something new but also how everything was like unconsciously reactionary to what had come before as you know so radio and DJing Mm. writing is you know this very quiet very um introspective solitary uh process where I'm sat in a room on my own for hours mm. 
Um, it is slow. It takes so long to create something. It's chipping away at this big thing that then takes a year to come out to people. And like compare that to radio and DJing, which is mm. like massive, loud chaos, mm. noise, immediate reactions, mm. surrounded by people either in my ears or in the room. Um, it's so extremely opposite. <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't think about it at the time and, until I started talking about yeah. it. And then I was like, wow, I really have gone the complete opposite direction. And and I think as well, the contents of my book was similar to that as well. Like everyone mm-hmm. assumed that I should write about clubbing and raving and culture and all that. And I wrote about you know, this kind of lonely, very sad woman in her thirties. I've just, I've like, just finished it last week and it's beautiful. Like it's, it, exactly as you say, it's not what you would necessarily expect, but I think that makes it even, but I don't think I had any expectation. I didn't know what it was going to be about right. really. But yeah, you've got addiction and grief and trauma and the characters in it are so lovely. I really want for them to be okay and for them to be happy. I should mention it comes out in paperback and um, it will be in Don't Buy Her Flowers gift packages um available to choose from our book selection which is so fab by the way I love that thanks very much yeah Yeah. well I've had loads of babies and got loads of flowers and was like this is awful why are people (laughs) giving me shit to do with flowers well I actually saw Catelyn Moran saying about gift cards did you see her yes books yeah well books are really popular because also reading again again I suppose it slows you down, doesn't it? It's something that, and I think probably yeah. really common in women and mums to not yeah. read. Like I read on holiday, or used to only read on holiday and I loved it. Right. But that mm. was when I could find time to do it. And now I'm making more effort to read all the time and you get so much from it. The escape, the like you learn yeah. stuff, the, yeah. But no, it is, it's beautiful. And I think, um, it will be really interesting to see what you do next because I think I've read that you're going to do something that is more um, like a memoir or based around your life more. Yeah, so this next one is like a reaction to Mother Mother. So when Mother Mother, the book jumps around a lot in time and uh, it's about, um, you know, it's set in Belfast, which is a city that I don't live in and haven't lived in for 20 years. This one is is set just down the road in Kilburn, where yeah. in northwest London, right? And it's and is over the course of a year, and it's about a girl who lives with a rock band and wants to get into music. So a lot of the themes are really similar to stuff that has gone through that I've gone through. So yeah. I've written about what I know, and that has been such a joy and such a pleasure, and and again a completely different writing experience. So it you know I, I just. With writing, I am still kind of astounded by how much I love it. Like, I feel a bit sad today because I handed in a draft, uh, draft three right. of this new novel. Yeah. And I feel bereft when I don't get to write, basically, which is, it sounds so cringy, but I, this is, again, no. I'm just learning it about myself. There's yeah. such a good feeling being in the throes of a book or, or a writing project where you are kind of, there's this whole other world going on in your head that is completely fictional that exists in only your mind that you can kind of slip into at any point and just exist in and be mm-hmm. in with all these characters that you're getting to know and love. Um, and it's it's just like, it's complete escapism. And in a world of, you know, as you say, impending war and scary mm-hmm. or overwhelming things, sometimes 
having this world is just the most comforting, lovely place to exist in. But also, if you think, like, if we might work for 50-odd years or something, like, we've still got quite a few years left of work, potentially. And and actually, anyone I've seen that did retire, really, I think in the 80s, it was always the aim to retire at 50. And mm. everyone just looked miserable and a bit crack, you know, they didn't have enough going on. Whereas if we might work for loads more years, of course it makes sense that we might evolve and we don't need to be pigeonholed into a lifelong career that is the only thing that you know and do that's that's really the thing and that's been the huge light bulb moment for me over Mm. the last few years is that you know even when you're in a job on paper that looks like the best job in the world Mm, mm. if you yourself feel like you've kind of moved on from that job then it's you know that you need to be able to change that for everyone's sake. Well, you had people saying, um, I think when you announced that you were leaving Radio 1, I think you had people who were disappointed in you. Oh, Jesus, they were incensed. They were incensed. People were angry. <laughs> what, what was because they you owed them or because it was the best job in the world? How could you possibly? Or, or because you're going to be a mum and it was like... I think I think it wasn't any of the reasons why. I think it was how me leaving made them think about themselves. And I mm. really understand it. Like oh, I wasn't yeah. incensed back. I got it. Yeah. Because me being there for 17 years and then leaving is an end. It's an ending. And that means people have to then look at their own lives and think about how long they've been listening to Radio 1 and how long my voice has been in their life. Mm. And if it's ending for me, what does it mean for them? Where are they in their lives and, and and that's what a lot how a lot of people reacted is saying I've listened to you all the way through uni all the way through my 20s now I have a baby and so it's kind of it's forcing people to look and acknowledge the passing of time basically. 17 years has passed yeah things have changed right right yeah and it's also it's also people you know when you are that person that people find you know comforting or whatever you know they associate with a certain time of day or you're, you're just so intrinsic into their their daily existence and then you're gone it's a kind of jolt of some sort mm. and 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 so it's just being used to me I suppose it's the same as if, it's, if there's anything that is you're used to be it you know having a coffee every morning or whatever and then that goes it just takes it just yeah so I think it was that it was a shock and a bit like a bit of a a bit of like uh, forced self-acknowledgement of, of the passing of time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I was going to talk about... Um the kind of fame versus celebrity thing. So if I mention to anybody that I know that, oh, I'm speaking to Annie Mack, they all immediately know, oh, she, I, we know her. And they all immediately say yeah. you're cool, which I will come back to because I, I know you've spoken about <laughs> that. But also it's this, uh, it's not the idea of celebrity. So again, it comes across, it, it's because it's about what you do rather than what it gives you. Is yeah. that something that you deliberately tried to, it's quite a fashion, I guess, that you were, that you not necessarily striving for fame, but that you weren't looking for celebrity. No, it wasn't actually. It wasn't like a deliberate move until I realised that I was starting to get a high profile off the back of radio and DJing. And I, I attribute that to the fact that I got to that point of having a high profile when I was a bit older. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't get my Radio 1 show till I was 26. So it wasn't until my late 20s that I started, you know, getting getting um you know in the public eye in a big way Mm. and by that time I had already done the growing up and I was a bit more sure of myself and and comfortable in my own skin um and and I'm really grateful so grateful for that actually Mm. even though I was very hungry in my 20s and I wanted it all to happen quicker I'm really glad it didn't Mm. I needed that time to to kind of be a complete mess (laughs) <laughs> um in private and I am also glad that I didn't have a mobile phone until I was 19 oh, and the last kind of generation of yeah last generation to not have a mobile phone in my teens basically and um I'm so fucking grateful so grateful mm. my son's just got his first so he's in year six my eldest mm. and he was the last one in his class pretty much to get one because I was just like, I don't think you need it. But they do now walk to, they can walk to school on their own. So it's like this big change. Right. We've just got secondary school places and all that stuff. Listen, this is my biggest, this is my biggest fear at the moment is, mm. is when he gets the phone. And I've already told him that he will be the last person in the school right. to get the phone. Yeah. Um, in my head, it's good. He's not going to get it till secondary school, but I think I'm not going to be able to wait that long. I think it might be sooner, but. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's really know. difficult when all their mates have got it. That it, it, you kind of yeah, but yeah, but it, I tell you what is cute. He will text, us, especially on the first day of getting. He'll text us from the next room, just like, "Hi, mum, 
how's it going? <laughs> like, oh, bless you. Because <laughs> he just wants to use his phone. And he's only got like three contacts in there. And that's basically Aww. me and his dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, it's a weird thing. But And I think actually on social media, you, you say about wondering whether it will go full circle and will start to realise the impact. We have to at some point, right? Realise the impact it's having. And then maybe it will be cooler not to. Yeah. So I, I get asked a lot um, by people why I don't put my kids' faces on social media. Mm. And uh, again, that wasn't, I mean, obviously it was a conscious decision, but it wasn't like I didn't have the decision all nailed and my reason nailed when I started doing it. It was just an instinct that I didn't mm. want to put their faces on initially. And then as they got older, I still don't. And and, and, and part of the reason is because of that. It's like, I, do, I don't want my kid to get to like 16 and the thing to be, totally that everyone wants to be off grid and mm. you know untraceable and I, I, then him have have to contend with you know 16 years of his mum's instagram account of all his pictures of him as a baby yeah yeah all over the world uh so all over the internet so yeah it's just more giving him choices giving him agency over over his own image basically yeah and with um motherhood You've talked about when you had your first, that feeling that yeah. need to like rage against it and that mm. that kind of get back to work quickly and get stuck in and almost, I guess, is, is that something that you feel in the music industry? You almost have to pretend that you don't have children. Yeah, so it wasn't really about raging against motherhood because I really like wanted to be a mom and I, and I loved it. I loved everything about mm, it. Mm. It was more raging against the idea of your career having to end because mm. of motherhood. Mm. So I, I really, uh, I had no intention of stopping. Um, and I was very determined to keep going. The nature of my job, especially in DJing, which, which was a really big deal for me when I had my first kid, I was doing everything DJ wise was that you always have to plan kind of eight months ahead. So, you know, right now it's February. I can tell you what I'm doing in September, October now, kind of a lot of the time. Um, and that's hard because you don't know how you're going to feel as a mom. But it mm. meant that I had stuff in. My baby was born in May. I had stuff in in June that I was wow. doing. So I just had to get on with it, you know. Um, and I was really happy to get on with it most of the time um as soon as I found a nanny um I and 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 she was settled in then it it became amazing and you know I found that the most difficult bit is finding the right childcare, finding people you trust having yeah. someone that that can fit into this family unit and that my baby loves and, and 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 that felt like a really hard work and a real achievement you know finding this new method of of um child care but what I realized the second time around was is that um I didn't want the childcare as much and I had the childcare for the first few years because I was a full-time working mom but yeah. by the time my kid was kind of three or four it was this realization that this is it now I'm not having any more kids and I don't have much time left with the with my kid being this age and I want to get all the t I want to have all the time I can with him so there was also a feeling of tiredness as well the second time around it was like god <laughs> I'm just knackered yeah <laughs> just really tired and and I think that the second time around maternity leave was really different like the first time around when I took maternity leave it was so heightened 
by fear of my job being taken. It, I work freelance. The, the BBC were really nice, really supportive. They never let me in any way think that my job wasn't safe. But the nature of freelance work and having the job that I had was that there was always loads of people who wanted my job. Mm. And so you're very conscious of that. Um, and I took, I think I took four months off the first time. Um, and the second time, I think I took six. And I was much more comfortable in my in my maternity leave um, because I realized that my job was safe and I felt more secure in it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I did try and, and, and kind of rail against the idea of, of my career being compromised because of, because I was a mom and I raged on and did more and more and more. And then, yeah, it was kind of the second kid that really made me stop and realize that I needed a rest. And there was that when you started podcasting and, and looking at alternative routes, basically, to do what you love. But I guess maybe... it was. And I guess that was mm. subconscious as well. Like I kind of turned 40 when I had that realisation. I, I came out of two years of my, my kid was two. So I was just coming out of his toddler phase. Mm. He was starting to sleep through. I was starting to get clarity and, and kind of come out of this fog of tiredness. And it's when I was feeling these very kind of visceral compulsions to learn and do something new and try something new and I think subconsciously those things were I didn't know at the time I didn't go out unconsciously to be like I want to find an alternative it was more just these are other things I want to try Mm. and they ended up being a perfect alternative so one of them was podcasting I had I really wanted to 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 own my own shit basically I wanted to make a podcast that I owned that I controlled that I could do as and when I pleased um and and that was a reaction to being at the BBC for years Mm. and then uh the writing was just a very kind of um long-term uh thing that I'd always wanted to do it was more something I was curious about rather than ever thinking of it as a career but Mm. then as I wrote and as I was kind of bowled over by how much I enjoyed it and loved it and found it so life-affirming that's when I was like right how can I how can I make this into something that I can do more and then the next few years became this exercise in moving the furniture of my career basically Mm -hmm. you know how do I make space how do I make more space to write how do I make more space to podcast and see my kids it was about look laying everything out on the table in terms of what I want to do and you can't underestimate that question you know Mm. how important that question is what do you want and I hadn't asked myself that in 10 years I was too busy trying to hold it all down Mm. and when you do ask yourself that question um which my manager had asked me to do you know he had said what do you want let's do like an audit write down where you want to be in five years I haven't done anything like that in so long and it's funny because I think it's something especially women don't do because we don't look at how we're feeling we're too busy doing all the exactly as you've just said doing all the other stuff and actually back to your book with mother mother it's like the the main character Mary is giving everything to other people and then loses herself and it's exactly the same thing I think it's a I think it takes a a, it's brave and also it takes a confidence to make those changes which when you're you've got a young family and you're yeah trying to hold it together you don't always have so I think it's really useful to hear that not only have you done that but how much better it's it feels 
Yeah, it does feel so much better speaking from the other side of, mm. of that. It does. It does feel really good. And there's a lot of things that you wrestle with along the way. You know, there's something about, you know, I don't want to gender stereotype, but, but in my experience of being a woman, I feel like putting yourself first is not something that I've I've done a lot of the time and it's mm. not something I see the other women in my life do a lot of the no. time and there's a huge amount of guilt that comes with that especially if you are um in, in a family situation mm-hmm. where you have kids you're used to being the subservient one um, and I don't mean that in some old school kind of like you know way I mean just the one that takes the the hit and um on top of that, you have the mental load of kind of running a household and remembering the dentist appointments and remembering the birthday presents and the homework mm. assignments and, and all of that. And that's a whole other fucking podcast. I wrestled with the idea of putting myself first. And, and I think there was kind of conflicting feelings when I left Radio One, which was the way that I was talking was very kind of like, this is what I want. And 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 I had it all worked out and I think sometimes people don't I, I don't think people reacted too well to, to, to some of that and um I don't know I think that there's kind of an expectation that you should be happy with your lot mm. and then on top of that there was the idea of me leaving and stating that one of the reasons of me leaving was that I wanted to spend more time with my kids when they were still young mm-hmm, mm. um and there was there there was a conflict in that because I didn't know whether to say that because I knew that people would read it and and kind of blow that up into something big, mm-hmm. which they did. Um, there was uh, people articles whatever saying that, you know, uh, it, it didn't show a good example for women and working women that you know I Makes- at this point in my career could go and leave that. But I found I found that really. I found it the opposite you know for me it felt like the most feminist thing I could do it was very empowering for me to be able to leave this job because I wanted to it was my choice to do that and I think feminism is about choice isn't it exactly and it's just this bullshit idea that you have to it's just to be equal we just have to want more and it's like no equality should be that it's it's that we have the choice rather than we are always the one doing all the doing but equally if you choose that you want to do some of that or you want to be at home or any of that stuff then you should also be able to choose that it's just such it's such yeah. a one-sided narrative that's just doesn't fit and I think as well like it got lost even though I've again made a point of stating that I'm, I'm leaving Radio 1 so I can spend more time writing and podcasting that mm-hmm. got lost obviously and the main headline was like <laughs> be at home baking you know, the Daily Mail put the headline at 42 I've quit for the kids which (laughs) I never said but it was like it was it was kind of it was that idea like I'm quitting it all for the kids this big high-powered career I don't care anymore I just want to be a mom yeah and if that's the case fucking great like go for it but yeah because equally you know I I hadn't had dinner on a weekday with my kid for his whole life so why not quit for the kids but it, it wasn't that it was like I was I was quitting in order to do work that suited me more for where I am in my life. Also, it's impossible if you have to pretend that you that your family aren't important or, or that you're not going to make sacrifices for them. And it, mm. and it shouldn't just be obviously women that are doing that. It could be both men and women. And there's it's right. just what people want to put you in that place. Oh, it just, it, it riles me a lot, I think. And also the... 
this idea of equality at work is really focused on and actually it's the equality at home that is the massive challenge for most women I know that is what holds yeah. them back from being able to do all those things that they actually want to do. A hundred percent. And, you know, that's the other thing that happened, you know, in, in me sitting and doing that, writing out my, my little plan of what I wanted to do in the next few years, it was redefining the idea of what success is, mm. you know, and what you mentioned, this idea of success always being moving up higher on the bills, mm. like more people at the shows, more listeners, more, more, more. Mm. This idea of success being success in terms of how you live your life and how your life is balanced and success in terms of everything you getting what everything that you need in order to feel fulfilled as a mom, as a, you know, as a professional as a friend, everything in between. And mm. and that's been something that's been a complete revelation to me is like success for me, I feel like successful now because of the work that I've put into feeling, to, 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 to trying to be balanced as a person. Yeah. Um, and that will change as life always does. Something mm-hmm. will get in the way and it will tip and I'll feel stress here and there. But it's, that's that's what I find the hardest work is like, making sure that all the bits of me are fulfilled that I need to be fulfilled. And, um, and that's not always about work and it's not always about how you are perceived in the public eye or how your job is perceived in your, in Mm. your field. Um, what, what's your favorite thing about this period of life? So if this stage is kind of a rush hour, like we've talked about the kids and work and the juggling and everything, obviously yours has changed your circumstances have changed a bit recently what's your favorite bit about it I'm just liking how quiet it is like (laughs) I'm loving I'm loving the writing I'm loving having time to write before when I wrote mother mother it was it was so frustrating not having time um to write and uh I would write everywhere I could I'd be getting up early I'd be doing it in ubers I'd be you know the idea of having a full day to write was like the the stuff of dreams Mm. um and then it's it's being able to just be around and and, uh, from from my kids in the evening I'd pick them up from school and not be rushing off and clock watching Mm. and 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 stressed about interviews I haven't researched for and all of that just to be able to relax into an evening and 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 I can see it in my kids I can I was gonna say do they love it do they do they acknowledge it? Do they realise? Yeah, they do. They're more relaxed for me being more relaxed. Mm. Definitely. Definitely they are. Um, they just, you know, kids just like to know where they stand. You know, mm. this is what I've learned. And um, I, I, there's something, that the kind of solidity of me just being there every evening, I think has really benefited them. Um, you know, obviously they don't say that out loud, but you can yeah. see you can see that they are more settled. My eldest is definitely more settled than he's ever been. And it always works that when you're really stressed, I know like if I'm trying to answer an email and someone's asking me last night, it was, can you make a shield? And you're like, yeah, okay. And you're rushing around yeah. and then you snap at them because you're actually trying to do a million things. Yeah. And it's so much better when I, you are able to breathe and go, yes, I can help you make a shield because it's, five o'clock and it's like this is your time it's just difficult to put that in place but it sounds as if that's exactly what you've worked really hard to do yeah yeah and that's that's where I'm at at the moment like it's I've never made 
and a costume for World Book Day. Right? Oh fuck! Until this year's day. Oh, go I, on. Like, I got the I got the yellow paper. I made a Mister Happy costume for my youngest. Hmm. Except for the classic irony is I did I did it all one month early. Oh my <laughs> god! Uh, what as in because you didn't know the date or because you were just very I got the date wrong. I got the date wrong. <laughs> but but I'm still I like it's it's kind of it's it's preserved for tomorrow, which is World Book Day. But so that that kind of that shows it's like I've never ever like I, I've never been the mom that's even been in the WhatsApp group in school. I've been oh, really God. removed as a parent when it comes to all of that. I had to join my kids year four WhatsApp group at the um, start of this year and be like, guys, Hi, I everyone. know I'm five years too late. Would you <laughs> mind? Would you mind like allowing me to be in this WhatsApp group? And they were they were like gas about it. They were like, oh, do you want to go make some cookies for the bake sale? While you're yeah. at it? Like they know that I've always been that mum that just hasn't really been present when it comes to parenting in school. Maybe this is the key to it all, to basically don't do it in those early years, which none of them remember anyway, and then appear now, and then everyone's like, wow, here she is, like this fucking shining light. And also it sounds like you quite enjoy it, whereas like I'm like, oh, God, the WhatsApp group. We had a whole fuss because... I re- like it was about three or four years in with my eldest and I realized that there were no men on it it's like the mum's whatsapp group yeah and I, I I can't I mean it took that took me a while to realize that and then I was like can I just ask why there are no men on here because I, d- I want my husband to know if it's world book day or it's mm. like spelling tests or swimming mm. kit or because so- otherwise it's all on you isn't it if you're the only one that, exactly. that knows but and there was like it was there was almost a mutiny and then there was someone going well I don't think they want to be on here and I was like I don't want to be on here <laughs> and it just went deathly silent and I was like oh god maybe gone too far. but it's a lot isn't it it's like but do you, are there it's men a, on it, yours you could, or is it all mum you could write a sick you could write a sitcom oh. about, about parent what whatsapp groups it's incredible but yeah. actually my husband took one for the team like he was the one who was on it all those good years man. good man and I wasn't yeah. So now he's he, we've done the swap. He's like your turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and my kid is is it my youngest is in reception, and uh, so I've got I've started on there, and that's really something. Like when you have older kids in school, and then yeah. you join a reception WhatsApp group, and everyone's like totally panicking about yes. you know what uniform they have to wear oh when you God. send your kid in without a tie for a week. Like it, that's that that's definitely a mute situation. You're like no, everyone's chilled out a bit by year six for sure. It's very exactly. quiet. <laughs> yeah, I've got my youngest starts school in September, so I've got to start it all over again. Just as one oh leaves, like shit. And yeah. um, and so, how do you find peace in your week? Like, I mean, it sounds like writing is a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah, writing is a big part of that. Um, that's a very peaceful place for me, even when it's not really working out very well. <clears throat> I like trying. Mm. Um, I've like I, I I really enjoy seeing pals for dinner, early dinner, like that. The early dinner thing, early. It's, it's a real novelty for me. Like yeah, yeah. being going out at like six o'clock or five thirty, and and seeing friends, and then being able to be home by like nine and get nice. like that's amazing yeah um and uh exercise I do I jog and and that really helps me in terms of sort my head out um it's also I've learned a really really important part of writing is the jogs and the walks and the yoga like any anything that takes you outside of your body and 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 just like puts you in this kind of semi-meditative state Mm. 
is really good for sorting out your thoughts and mm. um and, and allowing new ideas to arrive um and new inspiration so I always come home from a jog and have to like write loads of things down that I've thought of with when it comes to my characters in my book um so I've realized that that is as important as writing if you know what I mean mm, the headspace yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you sound like you've really got your shit together, Annie. <laughs> it's impressive. Well, it never lasts long. No. As you know, so in this like, moment. Especially, especially as a parent, you know, yeah. you can never take anything for granted. You know, as soon as you say, yeah, my kid sleeps through, oh. you know, the next kid will start staying up all night. So I know from a parental experience that nothing stays the same but that's that's great that's life it, you just have to kind of keep keep it's a work in progress isn't it yeah and you're fat you've fashioned a life now that does allow for some flexibility I guess because you're your own boss and I think that's why so many people that's exactly what I why I did so you're doing it yeah oh thank yeah. you so much it's so lovely to thank talk you, to you so much for having me it was lovely to chat Thank you so much to Annie for speaking with me. Um, I loved the idea of auditing your life and just really stopping to pause and think what you actually want. Also, I just loved the idea of her doing a book day outfit a month early. Uh, brilliant. I hope it went well, Annie. Um, thank you so much for listening. Go on and head to iTunes to rate and review and subscribe or follow us on Spotify. We've a bonus episode with Rosie Ramsey next week. So you'll want to know when that lands. It's pretty juicy slash smutty as you expect, I think. Um, And yeah, thank you. Have a good week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.